Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 87 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Catherine. Catherine lives in Houston, Texas, where she is a stay-at-home mom who runs a small in-home bakery business. Welcome, Catherine. Hey, Jen. It's great to be on. And I think listeners will hear your sweet, is that your 22-month-old in the background? <laughs> That's Mr. Geo in there playing. All right. So people, there's you know, if you hear a child coming through your speakers, that's just her sweet son, right? Yeah, son? Giovanni. Awesome. Oh, what a, what a cute name. I love that. And that's unusual. You know, <laughs> I taught school for 28 years and that was not one I had. My husband is actually Cuban and I am uh, half Sicilian. So we've got some Latin names for our kiddos. Well, that's perfect. Teachers all have like these this list of names we could never name our children based on experience with kids we taught. <laughs> Way <but> too many. 
<laughs> Never had a Giovanni, but I love it. So I'm so glad to have you here today. And I like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Absolutely. So one of my very best friends, Sarah, has been intermittent fasting and just preaching about delay, don't deny for us. Uh, she actually just last week celebrated her two years of fasting. Oh, wow. She had been talking to me about it and telling me about the book and about you. And I just was kind of writing her off a little bit. I had some experience with dieting since starting having my children back in 2014, but I also had a lot of experience eating and loving food. And so I just had decided to convince myself that fasting was not for me and I could never. And I was just having a really hard time after my third child losing weight and I was having some issues all around the board. And so I really decided that I needed to give something a try and what I was trying was not working. And so January of last year, I 2019. Started, so we're talking about 2019. Correct. correct. Okay. Started and have fasted every day since. It was pretty immediate that I started noticing the energy and change in feeling. I was within six months off of my anti-anxiety medication. It was just really incredible how quickly I was noticing those non-scale victories. Apologizing to Sarah for thinking she was crazy for so long. I love it. What I love is the one thing that you felt was like, you're, no, I could never do that. You said you love food. And we hear that from people. They're like, I can't possibly do intermittent fasting. I love food too much. Mm -hmm. But I feel like intermittent fasting is actually the plan for the people who do love food. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, that's my industry and it's my love language. And so for me to do something where I felt like I would be limited just sounded not at all like it was something that would work with my lifestyle, especially with three young children. The more I really got into it, the more I realized I have a closer relationship now with food because you can be choosy. You know, there's only so much you can eat in one window. And so now the choices I make and the foods we have in our house are really quality and more enjoyment comes from it. And it's been fantastic. Yeah, that's exactly what, what I've found to be true as well. The things that you buy at the store, the foods that you have around. My younger son moved out recently. He's 20 and he'll wander back home when he's hungry and doesn't have mm -hmm. any food <laughs> at his apartment. Yeah. <laughs> but he'll like be looking through my pantry. He's like, there's nothing here to eat. I'm like, well, I'm going to cook dinner later. For, there is, but you, there you have for to daddy and for me. Yeah. But <laughs> there's nothing. To, we don't have those snack foods sitting around that he would like to have. And so it's completely different. I'm like, you don't even live here. I don't buy food for you anymore. Absolutely. <laughs> but he's letting me take him shopping, which is fun. I'm taking him to the grocery store and teaching him how to buy how to buy cheap food. You know, he has no idea. <laughs> that was definitely when we first started. So my husband actually pretty shortly after I started kind of jumped on the bandwagon with me, which has been incredibly helpful to have that support. But we in the beginning were just really musing about how, oh, we're going to save so much money. And I've actually found it does kind of even out because the choices we're making are the whole foods and the healthier foods. It's funny that we don't have those cheap snackies around anymore. And so I'd say it evened out. We probably are spending a little bit less, but the stuff we're buying is really nice, especially the meats are much nicer meats and better produce. 100%. Yeah. People say the exact same thing. Some people are like, ooh, I'm saving so much money. And I'm like, not me. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Better bang for your buck, but it's certainly, uh, certainly not cheaper. Right. I started buying better everything, including better wine. Just the, <laughs> the amount that I'm spending on better wine. Because <laughs> you realize you deserve it. And hey, I was fasting all day, so I'm going to have uh -huh. this amazing high-quality dinner. And 
I've decided that cooking seven nights a week, I was like, okay, I'm going to cook six nights a week, not seven. We're going to go out one night a week. And my husband's a little bit, okay, I don't want to say cheap. Nobody told Chad that I said that, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, look, we can do it. We can afford to go out and have a nice meal. We can do it. So again, getting more expensive, not cheaper. Absolutely. But, but the enjoyment certainly increases and that's just an incredible perk of this lifestyle. Well, it has to be window worthy. Yep. So let's go back to when you started January of 2019. What finally convinced you to try it? Like what was the thing that made you say, okay, I'm really going to do this? You know, there was a picture. I did a big post across all of the the OMAD group, the advanced book group, and then your just regular DDD group on Facebook. It was my before picture that I posted when I did my little check-in for my one year back in January of this year. I was sitting in bed one night. My husband is a railroader and is gone many nights of the week. And so I have my evenings where I will read in bed and sometimes scroll through my uh, Facebook and Instagram feeds. And I saw this picture that I had just taken at the opening night of an event near us. And I did not recognize myself. I was really disgusted. I had done a really good job since starting having children of staying away from mirrors and staying out of pictures. There are not many pictures of me and my kids. There's one picture each from my pregnancies with my second and third children because I just didn't want to see it. And I was really good at ignoring it. I mean, days would go by that I didn't look in the mirror sometimes. And just that picture was just this incredible eye opener for me. Mostly just thinking, you know, I have a daughter, I have three young children. I had realized we had moved into a house and I had never been in the attic because I didn't want to climb the stairs into the attic because I felt like I would break the ladder. Yeah. And this is from, you know, I was a size two when I met my husband. I was training for a marathon. I was not one of the people who has been struggling with health their their whole life. I had been a very fit person. And so I did not recognize myself because it wasn't me. I would frequently say in conversations back when I was myself with the understanding that I was no longer even me. And so I saw this picture. And then in the next scroll, I saw another post from Sarah with a video probably from Dr. Fung, a video about fasting and talking about you again. And I was just like, you know what? This is it. This is my turning point. I ordered your book off of Amazon that very minute. (laughs) I love that your friend was talking about it because I think that I've said share without fear because you had seen Sarah talk about it before and you weren't ready, but she planted the seed. So the first time Sarah mentioned it, you're like, "Eh, eh, not for me. Then she talked about it again. You're like, eh, not for me. But then eventually you were ready for it. And you're like, okay, now I'm ready for it. So that's why people that are afraid to share or who get pushback from people when they share, don't feel discouraged because you are planting a seed and you never know when someone like like you, Catherine, is finally ready to hear it after hearing it a few times. I totally understand that whole not wanting to go up into the attic because of the stairs because I would have those thoughts too when I weighed 210 pounds. Same thing on the rickety attic pull down stairs. If I broke them now, I mean, you know, if I went up the attic stairs and broke them while wearing my size zero jeans, I would be like, oh man, those stairs were faulty. Yep. But if I had broken them when I weighed 210 pounds, I would have said, man, I was, yeah, I would have been embarrassed to admit it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I get it. So you got started right away. What what did you, how did you jump in or ease in or what did you do? 
I really did expect that I was going to be one of those where I would do like 12, 12 for a long time before I could even, because again, in my mind, it was this whole mental game of I could never not eat for that long. And especially with kids that eat all day long and my stress. And I don't think I ever did less than an 18 hour window. So you started with an 18 hour fast. Wow. Just recently with a small group of close friends who all do intermittent fasting was talking about how every once in a while we'll just have weeks or days where we are just ravenous. And so I'll occasionally have days where I make it to 14, 15 hours and I just know that I could not possibly go anymore. But pretty consistently in the beginning, my window was 18 And then I would just, I would play with things, I would troubleshoot, and eventually fell into where OMAD was just what worked for me. I have never been a snacker. I do pretty true OMAD where I just do my meal. And sometimes my windows are as small as 45 minutes because I really just, I have my planned meal. I get more than enough of my calories and good fats in that one meal. And then I am good. I love that. But you know what else I really love about what you're doing When you have a day where you're extra hungry, you open your window earlier and you eat more food that day, right? Yes. Yeah. And that's the key. You're not just, I'm going to have a 45-minute window every day for the rest of my life. This is what I do. You're responding to your increased hunger on some days. Now, I find for me... I almost, I mean, I don't, I don't count calories, you know, I don't, but I almost probably have an up down day pattern. Just if I did start counting calories, which I'm not, nobody asked me to please. (laughs) But if I did, I think I have days where they're low and then they're high and then they're low and then they're high. And I think it naturally evens itself out. And I was actually just thinking almost that exact same thing several days ago. I had been looking in my fasting app and realizing that I'd had 13 days where I had done a pretty strict 22-2 or 23-1 or I had not gone less than 21 hours in almost two weeks. And then all of a sudden I had three or four days where I just could not get pat and I was just eating and I'd have two meals in those days. I never let myself feel down or guilty about that because the the degree to which I can now listen to my body and know this is not me wanting mindless food. This is that my body is hungry. And on the days where I do 23-1, that is not me denying myself all day and feeling starving and saying, no, you have to wait and watching the clock. I have never watched the clock like, oh, I have to wait to push this button. It's if I'm not hungry, I'm fine. And then I make sure to listen on the days, especially I'll every once in a while do an extended fast. And I'd have in my mind an arbitrary number of how long I wanted to go. But if I got within an hour of that and felt like, nope, I just need to eat right now, especially when I'm with my children, I can't be sitting there and feeling faint or... And so I just listened to my body in a way that I never, I never thought possible. And it's really been freeing. I love that because several things in there. You talked about not feeling guilty when you listen to your body, but you know when it's a different kind of hunger. And that's what new fasters maybe don't don't realize. When you're first starting off, you're in the adjustment period, you're not getting the right signals yet. But once you get farther in, you're over a year in, so you know when it's different. Same with me. One day this weekend, I was doing the final edit for my new book, Fast, Feast, Repeat. I'm so excited. I'm so excited too. I just got off the phone with my editor, by the way, just before I was like really worried. I was trying to speed her up because 
I was getting ready to talk to you. And it was like four minutes before it was time to talk to you. And we were still talking. Luckily, we finished. But I was doing the full edit for the book. And we're recording this in February. And the book is coming out. By the time this episode airs, we're like two weeks away. So that's exciting. Yeah. So listeners will be two weeks away. But we're recording early. But on Sunday, I did the final edit. And I read the whole thing from start to finish and just really dug in. So I didn't have time to eat. I didn't have time to snack. I didn't have time to think about anything. And so I was in the fasted state. And then when it was time to eat, we ran out and grabbed something and then came back home so I could finish up. So I had a very short window, which is unusual for me. But the next day, I was hungry at about one o'clock. And my body said, you did not eat enough yesterday. And so I listened. And so I had two meals that next day. And and that's just how it works. I mean, I, I needed to focus. I fasted through that day of working. Then I ate more the next day. <laughs> and that's just what you learn how to do over time. So I love that you're good at that. So when you started, how much weight would you say that you needed to lose at the beginning in January of 2019? My realistic, um, my realistic goal was 80 to 100 pounds. But this was weight that I had gained. So this was 2019. And I had started, I became pregnant with my first of our three children in May of 2013. And so I had been steadily gaining weight throughout that process. We had our children very close together. I weighed, I probably weighed 120, I'm 5'9". I probably weighed 120 and was a size two or four when I met my husband. My highest ever weight, this was when pregnant, but my highest ever weight was almost up to 270. That was when nine months pregnant, but still. I was 240 still after I had our last child. And was just not successfully losing any of the weight. I was I was even being a little bit active. I mean, as much as I could be at that weight, I was two of myself. I was double the weight when I had met my husband. And yeah, so I, realistically, I wanted to get down to 150 or 160 because I don't know that with th- having given birth three times, I don't know that I could ever or would want to be back at the tiny frame that I once was because that took a lot of work. The amount of time I used to spend working out, I don't know as a mother of three that that's ever going to be my reality again or that I would want it to be. But I certainly would like to be, I just know how I would like to feel and look. I don't care what the number on the scale says or even what the number on my pants says. I know how I want to feel and look and I'm getting there. I am approaching that and just beyond thrilled with it. Do you know how much you've lost? The last time I weighed myself, I was down a little over 60 pounds. I have not actually weighed myself since probably late January. I was feeling all of these non-scale victories. I actually just skyrocketed down from a size 16 pant to a size 12 pant, and yet I was not losing any weight. And as much as intellectually I understand how that works, it was still frustrating on an emotional level to not see that number move, even though I could see all these incredible things happening. And so I just, I put the scale in my closet on a top shelf and I'll look at it again someday. Yeah, I'm no, I'm no longer interested. If it's psychologically upsetting you, it's not working for you well, but it sounds like you lost about 60 pounds in about 60 weeks, maybe. Yeah, that sounds realistic. Yeah. That's a really good rate of loss. But you know, if your body is changing and your clothing size is going down, you know that fat is going somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And at 5'9", I hold it very differently. I try to not get hung up on that number. That's a good point. Also, I don't know about you, but I found my hips changed after giving birth. Like I, oh, I was yes. a different... Yeah. 
Oh, it's yes. like everything got a little stretched out. The bones, the skeletal, the skeletal structure changed a little bit. So that's normal. In the very beginning, that was what was so fascinating for me, which I had felt in the opposite way during my pregnancies. You can feel at a certain point in your pregnancy when your hips start to adjust, especially as the baby is dropping and you are preparing for birth. But I was feeling my bones shift as I was losing all of this weight because at a certain point it is a skeletal recomposition. And so I felt that kind of in reverse from when I had children that my bones and body were shifting back into a smaller frame. And uh, it was actually very uncomfortable for several weeks, but it was exciting feeling that happening. My hips you were getting smaller. You feel that happening. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was making it very cracky. I would be trying to sneak out of my the baby's room as I was putting him down at night and I'd take a step and I could feel all of my joints cracking. Creaking. That's, that's great. I love that. You mentioned that you've had a lot of non-scale victories. Tell us about those. When I had my third, I went on antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication. I was just overwhelmed with life, plus being really disappointed in myself and my my personal health. So those were kind of helping me get through. I was maybe three or four months into fasting when I was able to start weaning off of those entirely. I had this very strange, just almost like an eczema on my legs that I had been dealing with for about two years that started to just completely clear up. My hair and skin, just genuinely, it's the corny thing that you hear, oh, you look 10 years younger. I really do feel like I do. And one of the more exciting things for me with this incredible weight loss that I've had at over 60 pounds and having had the three children, I expected that when I lost a certain amount of weight, I would start having just all of this loose skin. Just autophagy is miraculous because I've lost all of this weight and I do not have loose skin anywhere. I still have stretch marks that are actually fading, which sometimes I think this is sci-fi because honestly, I don't know how stretch marks could just disappear, but they genuinely are. I am looking less and less like a human that A, gained as much weight as I did and B, has had three children. It's almost getting to where I think that in the future, I might actually wear a two-piece again someday. Not anytime soon. Not soon, but someday. <laughs> people really have a hard time believing that. And, you know, people, you'll see people in the groups and they'll be like, well, you know, I've lost weight. I'm a little saggy. What do I do? And wait, wait, that's exactly it. Wait, give it time. Because for me, that's what I noticed. Like my arms were saggier after I first lost weight than they are now. My, and I haven't rubbed special creams on my arms or done anything like that, but it's just time and autophagy. They're not special programs you need to follow. Just be patient, continue to fast clean. I often think that sometimes when people are in a plateau where they're not dropping pounds on the scale, I really think that's because their body might be tackling the excess skin. I really do agree with that. And it's 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 disheartening almost sometimes seeing that people get into those plateaus and start to look elsewhere for solutions and start to think that maybe this this is not for them because you know that there is just stuff going on, whether it's invisible or not. And it's just a matter of waiting and sticking with it. And I wish I could just, every time I see somebody say that, I wish I could just call them and say, no, please wait, please just keep with it because what's happening is amazing. And we just don't even know what our bodies are prioritizing. Yes. And there could be something going on that your body is really focused on that is like saving your life. I mean, you just don't know. I always think about that, the things that we don't know that are going on. That are so much more important than a scale. 
Exactly. Exactly. And then the whole watching your your body change over time. That's why I'm a really big fan of the photos. Have you taken photos? I have. I have. Uh, Some of the early ones are hard to look at. Well, I get it. Yeah. I, you know, I would not say I've done them routine. I have a little album, my weight loss album in my iPhone. And I'd say in the beginning, I probably did them every 12 weeks. I think that sometimes I see these pictures from people and they just look incredible. God, there was that woman the other day that had lost a pound and she looked like a different human. And sometimes with me, I think because of how my body holds weight, I would see a picture of myself on the left at X weight and 25, 30 pounds later on the right. I don't see that dramatic of a difference because I think I see my differences in my face. So I really, I stopped for me, the indicators, you know, from day one to six months to one year, those were really stark differences for me. But with how my personal weight carry is, I wasn't noticing that much of a one month difference and three month difference. I don't know how much of my stuff was inflammation. I think a lot of people who have that incredible difference right off the bat, just they had a lot of inflammation and that really shows in those pictures. You know what my pet peeve is though? Sometimes people will post two photos and they're like, I'm not going to tell you which is before and which is after. Everyone guess. (laughs) (laughs) And the moderators and I, you know, we have like 60 group moderators and, and the moderators are just the most amazing people you will ever meet in your life. These are women and men. We have a few men, very few men, but mostly women that love to help out in the groups. And I couldn't do it without them. But they'll be like, oh no, should we approve this post? And then we'll talk about it. We have a mod chat. And we're like, gosh, I hope the one on the right is the before. And we'll, we'll like, we'll keep our eyes on it. You know, <laughs> once we approve the post, people have no idea what goes on behind the scenes. We're trying to care for members and we don't want someone to get like, no, we can't tell. We, you haven't lost any weight. <laughs> so we, anyway, y'all don't do that. That, that makes <laughs> us feel <laughs> scared for you of what people are going to say. Don't give us photos like that. <laughs> And be very clear, label them before, after, because sometimes people put them up backwards, like the before is on the right and the oh, after is on the me left. Nuts. That drives me, me too. nuts. Me too. And and then we're like, gosh, it looks like she's actually gained weight if you look at the photos, but she's they're just backwards. So the things that make moderators go, help. Oh, absolutely. No, I had so many comments on my one-year post. I put a my before... I started fasting, but at my heaviest weight, and then I did my current picture, but then I also did my picture that was like my goal, which was myself when I lived in Cuba and had first met my husband. I think so many people just assume like this is a person that was a fat person and then became a faster and is now less fat. I was like, well, no, in my case, I kind of maybe should have put my 2011 picture on the all the way left and then had it as a progression And so people were looking at my goal picture and they're like, you look 10 years younger. I'm like, actually, point of fact, I was 10 years younger. (laughs) Right. Because people don't read the words. They didn't know. You probably explained that and they didn't read the words. They just saw the pictures. It's fine. That's okay. (laughs) So people could like label them with dates. That would be amazing. This is just me as a little friendly moderator admin tip. The more information you give us, the better. Don't make us guess. Please don't make us guess. (laughs) Because <laughs> we're all on pins and needles, like, oh no. But we we're, we're often have that conversation behind the scenes. So, but I bet it felt great to have all the love on your, your one year photos. Oh no, that was wonderful. I really tried to share as much of my story. 
addressing a lot of early new fasters have so many reasons they think that the lifestyle would not work for them. And so I tried to share, I'm not a big sharer, and I tried to share more about my personal journey and the story than I normally would on the hopes that some fasters who, you know, are parents of small children or have battled one thing or another might realize, well, yes, this is something that works, even if I have not a set schedule, or even if I have a small daughter, or even if I have a medical condition in the family, or there is no lifestyle complication that you could have that fasting could not become a part of your lifestyle. That's true. That's true. Can you share some of those things that you put in that post, some of the things that you shared that day? Absolutely. For me personally, A, I was in food and beverage for many, many years and still do my bakery and am a chef on hiatus at the moment. And so I am always working and doing new recipes and cooking. And I was feeling like I can't cook without being able to eat. And so I had to really work on how to make meals for the family and new recipes for my business while still being able to do my window. And that was just a matter of scheduling. And so that one was easy. That one, check. Then I've got a family where my husband is a railroader and he does not have a schedule. There are weeks where he is home three or four days all day long. There are weeks where we see him barely at all. He can get home at nine o'clock at night and be called back out the next morning at 5 a.m. and he'll be gone for three days. And he has gone for weeks where he's always home while they're sleeping or while they're at school and he can't see them. And so we can't plan family meals. And then when he is home, we have to. And so my mental hurdle for that one was getting over that I have to be 23-1 or 18-6 or every day. And I have to have my window from from four to seven or it won't work. No, if Rafa is home, I will have the window in a time that it works for our family. I will still stick to my one meal, but life exists and this is a lifestyle and not a diet. And so you have to make it work with your lifestyle. I love that. That's really important. And that was all mental. So much of this is mental. The biggest hurdle was really what do I use as a crutch in life? Our oldest son has special medical needs and a lot of our life is is doctors and complications and struggles with that. Can you share what, what some of those are? Are they very, very personal? He has medication routine that takes up 90 minutes of our morning. He was born with a, a midline birth defect that he's six years old and has had 13 surgeries. We have oxygen equipment in the home. We have lots of medical equipment in the home. He is an incredible, incredible child who you would never know has any medical problems. Parents with children who have what my son has call it an invisible special need. So it makes his life a lot more normal that he is able to get everything taken care of at home. But on the parenting end, we are still parenting a child with very complex medical needs. I have a small group of women. What he has is very rare. And I have a small group of women that are on a Facebook group and we are just supporters. And this is international. These are women from all over the world um, who have young children that deal with what he does. It's just incredibly stressful and incredibly rewarding at the same time. But it's very easy on days where it's really hard and I spend all day on the phone with insurance companies and specialists to just say, oh my goodness, I need a cookie. I've been able to rework 
how I deal with that stress and not have it. Some days I do. Some days I do. I open my window and I say, I'm going to have cookies today because I hate insurance companies. And some days I say, I'm going to instead go for a walk or I'm going to sit down or I've done a lot of guided meditations and bubble baths. And it's actually been more emotionally, mentally beneficial for me to not always say the answer is a another glass of wine or a cookie, the answer might be what is actually stressing you. And that's made my relationship with food healthier to realize that food is not a reward for a bad day. It's something your body needs to keep you healthy. I think that has helped a lot just in our whole family dynamic. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. You mentioned something that a lot of people do struggle with, and that is how to cope with the stress because you're right. So many of us turn or turned to food during the day to kind of fill that need. You're having a stressful moment, have another latte, have a cookie, get that sugar hit in the brain that makes you feel good for that moment, And but it doesn't solve the problem. So now that you're fasting during the day, you've had to figure out ways to cope And it sounds like you're doing a masterful job with that because it really does sound stressful. All of us with kids, everyone with kids knows that when our kids are suffering, we're suffering. But it sounds like you've really had to deal with a lot. 13 surgeries. I cannot even imagine. He is a trooper. We actually just spent the day at Texas Children's Hospital yesterday. And he he knows the whole building and knows all the doctors. And for him, I think I think genuinely it's it's harder on my husband and myself than it is on him because it's his normal. It's what he was born with and has lived through. And it is harder as the parent. And as he gets older, he has more of a realization of what happens to him that it's not something that all of his friends go through. He just started public school this year, I think is really realizing that things that he 
thinks of as just part of everyday life are not part of everybody's everyday life. And so far, we've been fortunate that he's an incredibly confident kid that has not had any moments of why is this stuff that happens to me, but we're prepared should that come up one day. Public school is a place where I was there for so long. I taught for 28 years. But I think that right now, public school with the teachers, the kids, there's such an accepting environment of, in general, I watched my own children grow up, of course, as we all do. But watching them go through school, the acceptance that kids have now, I mean, I know there's bullying. I mean, I'm not ignoring that that happens, but it seems like they had a different kind of acceptance for special needs than perhaps when I was growing up. It's like a positive thing to me. I think the culture has changed and things are not as hidden as they were. I grew up, I had scoliosis and I wore a back brace. This was through junior high, which you'd consider to be the peak of bullying. And I wore a full body back brace for 18 months before I had my surgery for it. And I remember really expecting to have so much, so much of a problem with my fellow students. And I could not tell you a single time where I was bullied or given a hard time for it because I was very open and forthright about it and kids would ask questions. And then that was really it. And I do think that both for mental health and for physical differences, disabilities, whatever, what have you, I think it is more common and it's more in our national dialogue to where kids don't think it's something that needs to be pointed a finger at or ridiculed or which as a, as a parent of a young child with a medical complications, it's, it's very reassuring. Yeah, I think so too. And just things still happen. I'm not saying it's perfect. We're certainly not perfect. We're not, not a perfect society, but I think that there's way less tolerance or, or we wouldn't allow that. And so I'm, I'm glad that your son is feeling successful in school. And I know you're going to be his biggest watchdog as he goes through to make sure he has all of his needs met. Is he able to have his needs met in the in the public school classroom? The best way to describe it is an invisible disability. Nobody looking at him would know that there was anything complex about his needs. And so um, most public schools, I believe in the country, have a great program called a 504. As far as he's concerned, it's very limited what we need from him. It's just kind of an excuse of absences if he had a medical situation arise where he had excessive absences or tardies. And just a few really basic concessions in the classroom. But I've been very impressed. This is our first year with a child in a public school. And I've been very impressed with how it's been handled. And, you know, I certainly have dreaded him entering public school to the point that I was entertaining homeschooling. I've been really blown away with how efficient everything has been handled. It certainly took a lot off my plate. You have a lot of rights as a parent with a a special needs child with the diagnoses, with the 504 plan, you have a lot of legal rights. So never forget that. (laughs) You are in the driver's seat. This is just me, Jen, the teacher telling you this. You have a lot of, a lot of rights that are in your favor. So that's, I'm glad that your school system is great though. That really makes a difference. I was fortunate to work for really good school systems and it sounds like y'all are in one of those too. Yes. Well, that's good. So let's circle back to your husband for a minute. You mentioned that he is doing intermittent fasting with you now, and he travels with the railroad. How does that work out? With him, it's been the same as I was touching on with that some days your your window will be X time and the other days it will be a different time. He never knows when he'll be on a train, when he'll be stuck in a hotel room for three days at a time, when he'll be at home and around home cooked food, which is a treat for him with his crazy schedule. His schedule is much more erratic than mine as far as there are days where he 12 hours after closing 
closing his window will realize that he's about to be on a train for 12 hours again and needs to eat before he gets on the train. He had an accidental 60-hour fast once wow. because he, um, he, <laughs> he still talks about that. He just, his schedule was crazy. He thought he was going to be able to eat. And then he had like uh, 30 minutes where he could have shoved some food in his mouth, but he figured, no, I'll just keep going. And then he got stuck on a train. And, but he, you know, it's been amazing with him. He did not have any weight he needed to lose. He is, my husband is. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. 30 years old and a railroader and on his feet all day and just in phenomenal shape. And with him, it was more so for the mental clarity, I think, and also to support me, certainly. My husband has ADHD and his focus and ability to, to really just stay on task just from fasting has been incredible. And it's what he will tell people about. He, I think maybe has lost five or six pounds. Again, that was not his goal. His goal was really to be able to make it through a train ride without having to eat a bunch of junk and process bars and stuff. Get his body used to just staying in a fasted state while he's on the train. Plus working in a nasty engine, you don't want to be eating food while you're in there. It's not really an appetizing place. So what does he do on the train? He's a conductor. Okay, see, all of us, I apologize, we're on the outside looking in. We all like have heard of railroad, the conductor, <laughs> the engineer, the whatever. <laughs> so I'm like, is it really like we thought? So he's he's a conductor. Yeah, he does not wear a stripy hat. Okay, darn it. I'm no conductor, <laughs> no whistle, is it a no stripy passenger hat. train? Does he work on passenger trains? No, he, uh, he freight train. It's the big orange, big orange engines you see all across the country. He's right here in Houston, Galveston, actually, and he'll go. There's three different places he can go. So he'll get called and go down and he can go to Corpus Christi or go out to Temple or there's one other very obscure little Texas city he'll go to. And typically it's anywhere from 12 to 16 hours that he's in the engine going from one place to another. And then wherever they end up, they get put up in a hotel by the company and stay there from anywhere to 10 to sometimes 48 hours until they then put back on a train to come back home and stuck in a little engine for that time. And uh, it's quite a life, but he gets to see, he's seen more of the country than I have. He sees some beautiful places. Well, that it's just fascinating to talk to people about jobs like this because we all see trains. We see them in our town, but we, unless you know someone like your husband that works on the train, 
I never thought about who's riding on that train, <laughs> who's taking that train around. Well, there's usually two or three. There will be two or three men in the engine. There's a conductor, an engineer, and sometimes a brakeman. I'm not actually even so sure about the brakeman position. I know it, early in the days of my husband working for them, he sometimes worked as a brakeman. I couldn't tell you what they do. But yeah, so there'll be two or three men in there. And sometimes they've been in there for a long time. Right. I can only imagine. Your husband has seen an improvement with his ADHD, which is fascinating. I don't know if I've talked about it or not on this podcast, but I'm pretty sure I probably should have been diagnosed with ADHD, except that I was in school in the 70s. And I think they weren't really, I don't know, maybe not especially little girls, but we never heard of it. But I'm one of those people that was, <laughs> was always out of my seat, and always in trouble and talking to everybody. I'm pretty pretty sure oh, I had absolutely. attention issues. But you're right. The mental clarity with fasting is amazing. So has he ever been medicated for ADHD? He tried. It did not work well. He was actually very similar. So my husband just turned 30 last year, but he grew up in communist Cuba. And so mental health is, I mean, they're worried about finding food for themselves. Mental health is not a high priority. And so he, I heard stories from his childhood and, oh, he absolutely grew up with ADHD issues, but in a country where ADHD is not a thing. So he was 27 before he was diagnosed and they tried to put him on medication for it. And it just, it didn't work for him very well and was disruptive. And so he chose, I'm very type A, I'm a to-do list and organized and set timers kind of person. So he adopted a little bit of that and it was very helpful. He had learned to live with his ADHD for many, many years before realizing that it had a name. He has just chosen to not proceed with medication for it. Who knows if that will change at some point, but he's found a way to make life work with it. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm glad that that I wasn't officially diagnosed with it and medicated as a child too. I was able to get through school and be just fine. But for me now as an adult, caffeine, I think really helps me. Does he use a lot of caffeine during He's the- Cuban. He's Cuban. They drink coffee all day long. <laughs> I drink a Cuban roast. <laughs> it's my the, the coffee that I prefer. But the reason I mentioned it is because caffeine has a different effect on the ADHD brain. It actually calms it, you know, because stimulants actually like caffeine and ADHD medications tend to help ADHD people focus. Mm -hmm. So that probably helps him a lot the way that it helps me. Like I tried an experiment with giving up coffee just to see how it affected my fast. And I forgot how much the caffeine helped my brain to just stay regular. It doesn't make me wired and hyper. It just makes me, I think that's the ADHD brain kicking in. That would make sense because he can absolutely have an espresso at nine o'clock at night and still go to bed. It's something just to regulate himself, I suppose. That does make sense. Does Benadryl keep him wired? Does it do that for him? Because it does for me. That's another common thing we hear with ADHD people. Benadryl makes them wired. This man never gets sick. So I could not tell you that he's ever even been on Benadryl. Probably not, but that would be interesting to know. Just, I, I'm fascinated with how our brains are all so different, especially with the ADHD brains. I saw a lot of ADHD kids as a teacher. And, oh, I um, would imagine, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm a big fan of, of managing it without medication if possible because I think that we can do that. We don't need to. I never I think wanted as, to be yeah. the teacher saying, put your kid on medicine. That was not what I, I wanted us to learn to channel the energy in a different way. Absolutely. That being said, I'm not against, and if you have to do it, if you need to do it, if it makes a difference in your child's learning, never feel bad for doing it. That's just my two cents. 
Of course. <laughs> yeah. I have a son who thought he, he needed ADHD medicine when he was a teenager. And I took him to the doctor and the doctor was like, no, you're fine. <laughs> like, thank you. Thank you for, for that. All right. So you mentioned earlier something that I wanted to come back to. You are supporting other people through intermittent fasting. Tell us about that. I think there's 13 of us now. Um, Just in our really small circle of friends, we have this little group of women and there's several of us here in Texas. We've got a San Antonio, Houston. One of our members was out in rural Texas, has just moved back to Houston. We've got a member in New York, a couple of members in the Midwest, and they're all just immediate friends of friends. I actually started the group the week that I started intermittent fasting, just as me and Sarah and one other friend of ours, Devin, who had just started. And then we all just, oh, my friend, I just told her about it. And I invited her and we had a friend of a friend. And so we're a very small group, but we check in with little live videos. Everybody in the group has read Delay, Don't Deny. We just kind of check in with things. If anybody decides to go crazy and do a little extended fast, they'll get cheered on or when new members hit roadblocks, we'll all check in for it. And any really specific, we've had some bikini shots shared that I would certainly not share and uh, delay, don't deny, but these are all people that we know. So I love it's it. just like a little, a little side group. And it's been really fantastic seeing these women that I know. One of them is actually a teacher at my daughter's school and I see her every day. She and I are actually probably as far as pounds lost, we are absolutely both over 50 pounds lost, both the parents of three children. And it's been really incredible seeing firsthand, like people that you know, you know, Delay Don't Deny groups are fantastic. And I love just seeing the number of people who chime in and support on these posts. But these are women that I know and I see and I can see how this lifestyle has affected their lives and witness the non-scale victories. And it's been really incredible to share this with people in our lives. Well, I would like to encourage everyone to to try to set up that similar kind of support system if you can. I don't know if you remember from Delay, Don't Deny. That's actually why I started my first Facebook group, just support myself and my friends that were doing it. And I mean, of course, now it's over 300,000 members and it's no longer that, but it actually started that way for me as well. I'm sure you're not trying to grow a 300,000 member community. Keep it at 13 or 15 or 20 and the people that you know, but having that support of the friends that are going through the same thing, I think is just such a great resource. And as the groups have gotten larger, we still have the connection. We still have the community. There's still names that we recognize and people we know, but it is different when you have 230,000 in the one Delay Don't Deny group itself, it's just not the same as you can have in a smaller group. So I really do encourage people to set up your own smaller support systems and do what you can with that because it's just really important. Y'all all have the same foundation and you're helping each other through that. It's not just some random, but you're, you're doing it through Delay Don't Deny. You're talking about it. You're encouraging each other. I love that. No, absolutely. Sarah and I had both, after our first children, actually done Weight Watchers, and we talked frequently about how just that accountability, and so that's our group is actually, I just named it the accountability check-in, because that weekly check-in at the group was so, so instrumental in our success just with everything. And so the group started as a Wednesday, uh, a Wednesday check-in and it was just going to be once a week on Wednesday, we checked in and said, this was what our week looked like. And now we probably have 
probably at least two or three of us make a little comment on there every single day and we'll share recipes and things like that. And it's nothing that doesn't happen on the group, on your groups. It's just a little bit more personal and it's, it's been really helpful. It's been a great tool in all of our progress, I think. Well, I'm a huge fan of that, that type of smaller accountability group. And I encourage people to, to find friends that can do it with you, you know, start with two people. Just like you did. You started with you, with Sarah, your third friend, and now it's growing. And, and I predict it's going to continue to grow as you continue to add friends who are doing it. But it's still going to be personal to you. Absolutely. Awesome. That's something that I want everybody to do. Find your own support system. So, <laughs> Homework from Jen Stevens. There you go. I just I think I mentioned before, share without fear, plant that seed just like Sarah did for you. And never, never feel discouraged when people don't want to hear it at first. Oh, no, absolutely. Everybody has their opinions. You know, you always see about people telling you, oh, this isn't healthy. And that's, I don't remember ever making that comment to Sarah because I don't pretend to be a doctor, but I will tell you there are plenty of people in this world that love to pretend that they're doctors. And just, you know, you need to just know what has worked and continue to share your personal story, not secondhand or hearsay, just share your personal story. This is what has happened to me. This is what I'm telling you as fact I have experienced. Literally, intermittent fasting has changed my life, has made me a better parent, a better spouse, a better friend. I sleep better. I I look in the mirror now. I'm excited to look in the mirror now. It changed my life, all because my friend just continued to share her personal journey with me, and one day it clicked. And she wasn't pressuring you. She wasn't spamming you. She just quietly shared, here's what's working for me. And you saw it and she didn't target you. I mean, she didn't force you into it. You were just like, oh, okay, I'm ready now. Just gently sharing and and not pressuring and nothing to buy, nothing to, I'm not asking you to join my monthly fee kind of thing. You're not having to buy these special supplements. It's, It's free. It's here for you. It's just something that everyone can try. And your friend was sharing because she was passionate about it not because she's trying to get you to join a team or something. So I think that's important. We're running out of time. I like to end with, what would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting? Or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I think that you have to be willing to troubleshoot. The way that I intermittent fast is different than every other woman in our little group. And you have to be willing to understand that there are people that are going to show those pictures on the group that look so different after a month. There are people that are going to, after eight months, only have lost a pound or gained three pounds. I think everybody needs to realize you need to find out what works with your body. And that might even change over the months. After you've lost 20 pounds, your body might then need something different and you might need to start from square one. People that say, oh, I can't give up I switched to drinking only on weekends, drinking my wine, and I've actually recently done a delay of wine for a while for many reasons. People will say, oh, I can't do that because then it becomes a diet and then you're denying yourself. And you say several times in Delay Don't Deny that you might be delaying something for a season. It might not be you know, for the rest of your life, but for a season. And so you need to find out what works for yourself and be willing to continue to adapt to that and not overthink it because then it becomes a diet and then it becomes something that you dread. I am the most busy 
as far as stress and laziest left to my own resources person. And if this can work for me, it can work. Just have a, an open mind and be willing to play around with it. And it will work. I don't think there is a person that this will not work for. Just might not be the way that you expected it to, but it will work. And you just have to be willing to put in a little bit of troubleshooting. And also defining what works means. Yes. Like you may not be fitting into your size two pants, but maybe your fatty liver is reversed. I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. And so somebody who's you know, not happy with the way their size is changing, but yet has cleared up fatty liver, would you say that intermittent fasting is working for them? Absolutely. And, and I think that you need to be equally focused on your health and what's happening behind the scenes as far as in your body. There's the vanity aspect of wanting that certain size pants or that certain number on a scale. But deep down, I think we are a health conscious society and you need to realize that the health benefits go so far beyond the scale. Right. And so whenever I see someone who is frustrated by lack of weight loss, and we do see that because our bodies are so complicated. Man, I wish it was as easy as everyone do a five-hour window, boom, goal weight. Wouldn't that be nice? I really wish it was like that. <laughs> it is not like that. But for people who you know are frustrated by not seeing the weight loss that they're hoping for, and they're like, well, I'm just going to give up, it makes me really sad because you don't know what it's doing for your health. And so what are you giving up that you don't know you're giving up, I guess, is is what I'm trying to say. So tweak it till it's easy. Find something that works for you and recognize that you are receiving health benefits, even if your weight is not doing what you want it to do. You know, keep tweaking and give it that time. Absolutely. Well, Catherine, I really enjoyed having you today. Thank you so much and keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much, Jen. I'm really looking forward to the new book. Yay, me too. I'm so excited. Everybody, <laughs> go ahead and pre-order it now <laughs> because you have a couple of weeks. Go ahead and get it. Fast, feast, repeat. And thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jen. Bye. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.